Welcome to Third Chances, a talk show where we like to hear from people who devoted their life to health, fitness and wellness. Medical professionals, health coaches and all the others who help us every day to cure our body, mind or soul. Those who always look for more natural, holistic ways to help even more people to live a happier and healthier life. Those who don't like to give up easily and settle on you or themselves. It is never too late or too soon. I always believe that every one of us deserves not just a second chance, but as many as we need. I'm Vera, your host. Who better than a master of reinvention with an accent to guide you through it, right? Just like they say, you are not a tree, so move. And God knows I have done just that in my own life many, many times. If you are not completely happy with the direction your life is going, this show may help you get the courage to change what is needed, find a new path and take charge. So come on over, pour yourself a glass of wine and spend some time with us. Let's laugh and cry together and get inspired by people just like you and me who overcame their own doubts and took a leap of faith to reinvent their life on their own terms. I hope and pray that we help you on that journey. And if you feel so compelled and inspired, please let us know. Don't be shy. Who knows? You may just be our next featured guest with another inspiring success story. So here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Three Chances, where we talk to people that reinvented their life for better. And today's a guest is quite a special friend. I was just introduced to her through another very, very special friend. And we were so excited because we kick it off right away. Jill Patton is a health journalist turned health and wellness coach. She now works with women in leadership, whether it's their profession, communities, or families to help them create the vitality and health they needed to keep showing up for what matters and to make the difference they feel called to make, which is fantastic description of the work that she does. And welcome, Jill. Where are you calling from today? Oh, Vera, thank you so much. I am in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis. So I bet it's freezing there. It is. It's just below freezing. It's like 31. That's balmy. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. I have, I was been, I have been quite intrigued with the, the health journalism because Hmm. we both know how much information and misinformation goes around, around health and pharmaceuticals and medicine in general. How how did it work? How did you how did you approach your work? What was your sources? What what brought you to it? I would be curious to know. So so way back in the day when I was in journalism school, you know, a long time ago, early 90s, I remember I was taking a magazine and my, my sequence was magazine journalism. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a freelance writer. My goal was to be a freelance writer for a magazine called Health. And then life took turns and I didn't come anywhere near that for a long time. But um, I happened to find my way next to an editor for the magazine that I still write for. It's called Experience Life. And I was at a yoga workshop 
and overheard this woman talking about her job. And I just kind of scooted over to her <laughs> and I said, tell me about this magazine. And uh, she sent me a few copies. And a few months later, she started having me write for them. And what, and then ultimately I became a staff member for about five years. But what I really like about experience life is that it's, it's progressive. Um, you know, experience life was talking about gut health, I think 20 years ago. I mean, it's been yeah. sort of on the leading edge of medicine, but it's also very science-based. And so a lot of the sources, not all the sources, but a lot of the sources that we look to for the health pieces and the nutrition pieces come out of the world of functional medicine. So a lot of um, really thoughtful, again, science-based, research-based, evidence-based work, but drawing on what we know and what we're seeing in what they know, what they're seeing in clinical experience. And so um, I learned a lot working for Experience Life. And because of that word, in part because of that work, when I went to get training to be a coach and decided I wanted to be a well health and wellness coach, I ended up going through the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy just because I really liked that worldview. Yeah. But that you know, that doesn't come naturally. You were always into health and you you were always interested in this as a young girl? Mm, no, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, by the, I mean, obviously I was, by the time I was in college, there was something about it that was interesting to me. But, you know, like, like so many journeys, there's, there wasn't that one point where like, and then this happened and I suddenly became interested in health and well-being, right? Um, I, I had my own experiences as a young woman with body issues and, um, you know, being really disconnected from my body and hating my body and sort of that typical mm. um, experience that a lot of us have. And then sort of moving from there into, you know, different periods of my life where um, I learned something about myself. You know, I had an experience where like, oh, if I eat this, I feel this way, and, you know, without really realizing, like it was these little dawnings of insight that I came across that eventually led me to being interested in nutrition specifically, um, and then ultimately overall well-being, which is kind of where I find myself now. I still really love to to learn and read about nutrition and and food as medicine. Yeah. But what's even more interesting to me, I think, is to take a broader look at well-being and what what brings a sense of health to you that that may have to do with something completely different than the food you put in your mouth. So I, I really, as I've, as I've evolved as a, as a human and as someone who's really interested in health and wellness and dove in deeply, both as a nutrition editor, but also editing pieces that we called quality of life pieces, personal development pieces. Hmm. Um, I just started to widen my lens a little bit. And so that's, that's kind of where I am now. I'm really interested in whole person well-being, and that might start in a number of different places for someone. Yeah, that's that's interesting shift from the journalism because that's very much it's sing. I don't want to say single minded operated, but you have to focus on facts, science. You have to do well, good research. You have to do for that article. You have to, yeah. you know. But you know what I would say though is you know I so the first thirty years of my career have been as a health I'm sorry as a as a writer and an editor. Mm -hmm. um, the last ten years have been specifically in health and wellness, but I've been a writer and editor in different contexts, either in publishing or in you know business environments. And so I th think what the way I think about it is really about storytelling. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it can be you know storytelling 
can be like, I'm writing an article about quercetin, you know, and like, what is the story of quercetin? Like, how do you use it or nuancey things like that? But I think the bridge between what I do as a writer and what I do as a coach is really looking for that narrative thread, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm if I'm working on an article and it's about a person, you know, that's very obvious. I'm looking for sort of like what you're doing now. Like, where did you start? Where did you go? What were the pivot points? Like the yeah. plot twists in your story? Yeah, you know, yeah. How did you get where you're coming from? Uh, from where you're coming from to where you are now. But I mean, that's what I do as a coach as well, right? I mean, you're listening for the through line of someone's Absolutely. story, right? Absolutely. And, and you're listening for what were their challenges? What were the turning points? What were the things they overcame and how did they do that? What did they draw on from themselves or their experiences that allowed them to make a change? And I found that both when I'm, when I'm especially if I'm writing a story about a person, but when I'm coaching a person to, when a person hears their story, when, when they hear themselves tell their story, and then when they hear that story reflected back and affirmed by someone else, yeah. they start to connect dots in their life that they didn't connect before. Which and so coaching, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I feel like as a coach, in a way, I'm helping people write or rewrite their story. That's beautifully said, because that's exactly, I believe the the story we tell ourselves is the biggest part of our well-being. Absolutely. So. And, you know, and, and everyone has a reason for why they have a story. I mean, you'll meet people who have, a very um, negative story, a very victim story. And I mean, there's no, I don't want to shame anyone for that because something happened, right? Right. And so, and there's, and there's a reason why they might hold on to that story, but it's so empowering if you can help someone shift to a different perspective. And that's something also, you know, that we talk about a lot with the magazine that I write for is, you know, there's no there's no should and there's no shame. Like we might share information about research or we may share information about sort of, you know, a good way to make a change or whatever it is, but we're very careful not to say, and if you don't do this, you know, right. you're somehow failing or somehow bad, you know, you're constantly walking the line between being aspirational about what could be and being very meeting person, meeting a person where they are. So for me, that was a pretty natural or helpful mindset to be in moving into coaching because you're the expert on your own life, right? And you know, you know, you may, you may or may not know like why you make decisions, but you know when you're ready to. And if I come to you and, and in, with any kind of shame or telling you what you should be, you'll never, you'll never change from that place. Exactly. That's so, if mechanism turns in and that's, that's not the point. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's really, it's been interesting to make that shift because I see a lot of parallels into the two kinds of work that I do. I, I just saw it, the beautiful, how beautifully you put it about the story. It's totally intertwined because for me, I looked at your previous work more like very detail-oriented, very scientific-based, fact-oriented, you know. Which you want it to be. <laughs> yes, but it, it makes a lot of sense what you said. It's it's still a story. That it's you still a story. Tell. Yeah. And, and it, you're telling it to humans. You know, yeah, you're telling it to exactly. humans 
to inspire and motivate and so story sells the best <laughs> anyway <laughs> when you when you come at people with all the facts and science it's just like they, they you lose them in five minutes yeah well and you know i mean you know this people don't change i mean people know what they're supposed to do by and large i mean some people might not have all the information or whatever mm -hmm. but you know I know that, you know, eating a pint of ice cream before bed is going to make me sleep terribly. You know, like I know this, I might do it for a different reason. So just because yeah. you have the information doesn't mean you're going to act in according with that, in accordance with that information, exactly the way you should. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's, it, it brings the compassion into both the writing and the coaching is you have to start with compassion for the person who's sitting in front of you or who's reading the piece. That's what I love about coaches like you, because I have met some coaches that were very action driven, very, you know, strict. Um, mm. Not that there is anything wrong with it because everybody mm. needs something else for right. their, for the place where they are at the journey. Right. And that's why there's, different people in coaching because everybody needs a different character that they identify with that exactly. works with them because the coaching is such a deep work you need somebody who you resonate with on all the levels yeah. to to really be able to open up because you have to trust that person to open up Right. And probably dig deeper than you ever thought you want to on your own <laughs> and you know, to get to where you want to go. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, I mean, some people really want accountability and, and I offer accountability, but, you know, some people want to be like, you know, the drill sergeant. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think for some people that works for a lot of people that just brings in shame. And the changes may not be as permanent, or if they are permanent, they're going to be rooted in something that's not out of joy or out of abundance or out of um, wholeheartedness. So, and, and they, people are on their own journey and some people don't want that <laughs> necessarily. They want to just be, tell me what to do, make sure I do it. I want to, you know, fit in the size jeans, no matter what, you know, or whatever their goal is. Mm -hmm. And there's a coach for that person. Absolutely. Yeah, but your work is, it's, it's, I love listening to you because I can feel your soul, how it comes through. Thank no, you. it's, it's, it's important because that's why there's so many different coaches. And I, like I said, I, I work with one and I met some and uh, they are completely different. And I have seen some people that would completely turn me off and that's perfectly fine because fine. they're not the same. And like you said, everybody needs somebody else. But it's important to understand that the coaching is really important if we want to make progress. It's so important to have somebody on your side. And I, at the beginning, when I started, I learned some people, I heard some people saying, well, if I'm just talking to the coach, that's what I have friends for. Mm. Well, that's nicely said, but they are posing their opinion on you. They are not trained to help you overcome what is what, well, what you're stuck at or why like you said they know what to do but they don't do it why is it happening that right friendship is different thing friendship is fantastic thing to have in life but that's not coaching and you know and parenting is the same way you know I <laughs> just today my son sent me something that he was doing and I then turned right around and told him well you know <laughs> 
the way you did this isn't probably as healthy as it could be. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're like I would never do that with a client. But when you're in a relationship with your friends or your kids or whatever, yeah, it's the boundaries get a little squishy, you know. So yeah, um, with coaching, really, if you are in a really solid relationship, that coach is going to be drawing out your own insights, your own experience. Maybe they may see something, they may offer to um, to share an insight that they are noticing that you're not noticing. But in the end, the change is going to happen if you have that realization or that you draw on a strength that you you applied somewhere else and you realize that it was it's relevant here. So it's really this evocative process of bringing someone's own insights and wisdom forward. Yeah. And so you move forward faster. You know, that's the idea with coaching is like, you may already be on that trajectory. You may be, you know, I wish I'd found coaching 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because, you know, I am moving forward, but I could have probably gone forward faster and, a and little avoiding some expensive mistakes and yeah, feeling yeah. I can, I can totally do it on my own. And then three years later, yep, I'm still there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, one of the questions that you, you were asking in the list that you said, like, what do you, what would you change? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that I would change any of those mistakes because it's those mistakes and those little like dead ends and whatever that, that give me the perspective I have now. So I'm a little, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, sure. Life lessons, but also like, you gotta, you gotta whiff it sometimes to get the lesson yourself. Yeah. That's how we grow. I, I would like to ask you, what makes you a coach you are? What do you think you drawn into to bring to your coaching that makes you unique? What What is it from your life that you bring to the table that gives a different perspective to people? So are you familiar with um, VIA character strengths? Have you heard of that? Not so, sure. Yeah, it's, it's one of those character assessment or strength assessments, a strength finder kind of concept. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we went into fairly deeply with the training that I did. And so I've, you know, like you learn your, your top, your go-to strengths that you use that are reflective of who you are. So they're not necessarily, there are things that you can build and shift, but they're things that are sort of your, your MO and mine are love and creativity, curiosity, learning. My top strengths are all about being really invested in the person in front of me. And so, um, that's perfect, I, perfect characteristics for a coach. Well, you know, and, and for, a, for a writer too, sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I think like, a you know, I'm not a hard nosed, you know, investigative journalist. I'm very clear about that. You know, I'm, I'm a service journalist. I'm looking to find things that are motivational and inspirational and informational so that you can make the changes you want in your life. But I recently had the opportunity to do a cover story of someone that I knew a little bit about something about, and I didn't really like this person. And I said, you know, I want to be a little bit in love with the person I'm covering. I mean, I realize that's a little like loses the objectivity a little bit, but if the point is to really showcase someone and what makes them special and interesting, I want to feel that way about them because that's going to bring more curiosity and, and, and make the conversation a little bit more interesting because I might bring something to it that's beyond their talking points or whatever. And I feel it's the same way with coaching. You know, when I thought about who do I want to be of service to? 
And again, my training is through Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. And a lot of my classmates are working in clinical environments where they're, you know, I have a classmate who's working specifically with people with Crohn's disease, for example. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know that that's me. I want to work. I, I want to see, like, I want to work with people who are using their health to achieve us something, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about who do I care about? I, mean, I care a lot about a lot of people, but who do I want to really have in front of me on the screen or across the table? And I really, I want to work with women who wake up in the morning thinking I have stuff to do today because I am important. I have a role that I need to play and I need to feel as good as I can feel have the energy I need, have the mindset that I need so I can make this happen. And so when I'm sitting in front of that person, I am so in love and in awe of who that person is and what they're trying to achieve that it puts me in this state where I can draw more out of them as a coach. Is there one thing that you would find in the person that would cause you refuse coaching them? that would turn you off because we, we obviously we cannot work with everyone. It's right. a, it's a two way street, just like people pick their coaches to resonate with. We have to resonate with the client in order to make sure that we can really help them achieve their goals. So there, is there something that is no, no for you? What I would say is a no, no is someone who's there because someone else told them you should be coached. Right. Because there's ambivalence in everybody. You know, I'm ambivalent about the changes that I want to make. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this, but I kind of want to do, you know, like everyone has ambivalence and a lot of coaching is working with that ambivalence and helping people move through that ambivalence. So it's not that, but you know, if someone says my, my boyfriend or my girlfriend or whatever said that I should come see you and I can find out pretty quickly that that's not what they believe their own, (laughs) what they want to do. It's just going to be a fight. I mean, not a fight between us, but a fight with them, you know, and it will be a struggle. And then as we move, you know, progress will stall or not happen. So I think for me, someone who is truly interested in making some changes, even if there's ambivalence, even if there's not clarity, exactly, I don't, that's fine. But if someone's kind of feeling like they're dragged there or they're there because they should be there, that's probably not... Not yeah, because client. one one of the first thing of the coaching is the free will. You want to be aware that you need to change something. You need to get to the point when you realize I may know all the tools, but I'm not using them. I need somebody that helps me get there. And they must be aware of that. You know, it's like alcoholic when you send them to, to yeah. healing clinic and they don't believe they have a problem. It's never going to work. Because right. you have to be well, aware. You know, there yeah. are some, there are some people, probably more on the clinician side, who are really skilled at helping people shift. You know, think of people who help alcoholics or who help people yeah. with addiction recovery. You know, that's that's a different skill set, right? That's really helping someone move out of sort of the, the stages of change, like move out of this pre-contemplative stage, you know, into uh, you know being ready for change. Um, and so I, I think, I think there, there's absolutely help for people who are like, I know I should change. I don't want to change. I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to change. There's absolutely someone who can help that person. But I think for, for where I am, I want to meet someone halfway. I want to meet someone who's ready 
to do the work so that, you know, that's more, that's more rewarding for both of us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. The, the work should be joy. Yeah. yeah. Is there something without naming names and crossing any client's confidentiality? Is there something that you may say it kind of repeatedly comes up as a block that your clients need to overcome in order to get to better health and better better overall wellness? Repeat you know, this is something that I'm still trying to figure out the best way to help someone through because a lot of the people I work with, because they are you know high achievers, mm -hmm. most of them are women, um, although I have one fabulous male client, so um, there's that, but like they've gotten to where they are a lot of times by forcing themselves into something, by kind of beating themselves up a little bit. So I hear a lot of perfectionism. I hear a lot of, of self-blame, self-judgment, like, ah, oh, I was just an idiot or, or whatever it is. It comes up a lot. And what I really try to have them do is, is, is gently, and this is there's a skill to this that, I, that I'm cultivating, is gently have them reframe that and gently have them bring some some sense of self-compassion into the situation that they find themselves in where they're not stupid. They just made a choice that was based on what where they were at the time or um, they they go for something. They go to achieve something because they want to, because it's it's a, it's a pull, not, you know, because you've been whacked. And if you, if you don't do it, you will be, um, you will feel shame for the people around you. So trying to work with people who are motivated by the, the stick <laughs> rather than the carrot, if that makes, that sounds awful, yeah. but you know, who, who, whose motivation sometimes, or whose actions sometimes are really not coming from a place of self-love. And so, you know, how do you, how do you move them into a place of self-compassion, which is actually a super powerful place to live. It's not letting yourself off the hook, as you know, right? Self-compassion is really seeing where you are very clearly and tending to what you need very lovingly, which might mean moving yourself out of a stuck place or moving yourself into more responsibility or moving yourself into a new way of eating. But it's coming from a place of love as opposed to a place of, you know, judgment or, you know, self-flagellation. <laughs> yeah. But like, like you said, I can imagine that the type of clientele you work with are very driven and go-getters, mm -hmm. achievers. Mm -hmm. They have the hardest time to find this in themselves because they believe if they don't go, 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 it's, it's kind of reflecting as a weakness on them. Exactly. And, and that's been something that I've had to learn too. I joke, like I'm a type a minus or a B plus. Like I'm not, you know, I, I, and a lot of that is because my body tells me when I'm pushing too hard, you know, I get a lot, I tick, I start, you know, getting weepy. Like my body's just like, eh, you're not going to work a 15 hour day. But Sorry. you listen to those signs. I do. And they don't and, sometimes. And, um, but you know, like I had a client once who was the CEO of a, of an app of a startup and had a team of, I think 15 or 20 people. And she really needed a vacation and she was very wellness oriented. She wanted to model taking a vacation. So her vacation though, was she was going off to a friend's cabin out in the woods 
where she was going to work from there. Right. And I really had to bite my tongue because, you know, that's where she is for her. That was restorative. She could stop working at any point in the day and go get a walk. Like that was a vacation for her. So that's the other big lesson, you know, that I, that I, especially with coaching a little bit with the writing, but like, I have like, for me, I'm like, that's not a vacation. You need to go away and put, you know, turn off whatever. I don't get to say that for her. You know, I don't get to tell her what her wellness practice looks like. She gets to figure that out for herself. And if where she is right now is modeling vacation by taking, you know, her work to someplace that's more restorative and she can see the woods and she can be where she feels more filled because she loves her work. So working isn't the problem, right? So really to step back and say, okay, tell me why that is so restorative for you. Tell me why this is going to feel really good and enhance your health. And she gets to have that, you know, not me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I have, I have, have you heard of Michael Neal? Uh, he's like super coach. Coach. No. Fabulous person. Look him up. It's uh, I, I follow his teachings for, for a while. Really okay. compassionate person. I love his style. And he once talked about, he actually, if there was somebody who came to, he wanted to work with him. And the first order he gave him was, you have to take a three weeks off your work. Because that person was so driven and so mm. overwhelmed with everything. He really wasn't even able to listen, to, to hear himself at all. Like he wasn't oh, yeah. able to stop. And he was, I don't remember where I heard this story. It was, must be some, there, there's multiple videos with him on. Yeah, on. I'll have to look that up. And he, I remember he was saying uh, that client, I could see in his eyes that he was like, forget it. That's not going to happen. That's impossible. Like I can't stop. Like you say, like they, they are, you know, they can remove themselves from work, but that was his condition for working with him. Mm. Interesting. The guy, the guy spoke. Started, they were supposed to meet in a month and he said he admitted to him later that he was completely ready to lie to him that he did take time off which he didn't until he got sick and he was forced to take the time off and it's so funny because he was like I would totally lie to you that I I take the time off but like he could read people. He's really, really right, good yeah. at what he's doing. But it was just, isn't it funny that our body, our will body will tell us eventually. for us sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, eh, okay, I'll take you out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. And I would imagine, I don't know, I, I haven't heard that story that, you know, someone who is really that invested in their work and, and like, you know, it comes to sort of a form of an addiction, right? Like to to take three weeks off, I would imagine would have had some pretty painful parts associated yeah. with it. Wouldn't oh, have been like, sure. oh, now I'm just gonna relax. You know, I always needed this. Like that would have been a real that itself would have been a huge lesson. Hmm. It, his work is very quiet one. He's very uh, I'm fascinated by the yeah, way I am too. And and I can imagine like in order to actually get the message and have the transformation you really need to quiet down so you can hear and you can listen and you know sometimes he just sits with people for a whole day just listening to them Mm -hmm. and like you said at the beginning it's something about when we start saying that story out loud that is running through our brain suddenly it sounds differently and 
when you reflect it back to them, it real you start realizing you are full of BS and you are, you know, it's just <laughs> no. Or, I, I don't or, mean it that I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you realize your own. Yeah, you are making excuses for something that is approachable. I, I I remember I used to have a client that we were long relationship, so it was over Zoom, which I don't like. I love to be in front of my clients better, but we did it over Zoom, and she had a very hard time with many different things. But she, uh, she was telling me over and over something that she cannot do and it was obvious that she can you know and all I was like you really can't and she just stared at me and she said well of course I can <laughs> you know it's because we just keep saying these things to ourselves and I don't mean it in a bad way as a BS but it Sometimes it's a protective mechanism because yep. we find excuse for why we don't do something that we may, or sometimes it's just label that we put on things and that kind of washes our hands. Like we can't do it because we don't have to do anything about it. Yeah. 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 It's out of my hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very true. Tell me one habit that help you to get where you are. What is in your routine or in your life that you found? working to to be motivated to to achieve to do things that you because we all like we are all kind of we have some lazy part in us and we put things off and you know some people are motivated by deadlines some people are freaking out about deadlines what is working for you what what is one habit that may you may identify that help you well, and I, I almost hesitate to call this a habit, more of a routine because it comes and goes, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's a, it is a thread through my life for a long time is um, I'm a morning person and I know people hate morning people. <laughs> I'm the one who's talking to you on the elevator. Sorry. But, you know, so I, I love to get up early, especially in the winter up North in Minnesota, it is dark yeah. and, you know, and I have my, my sort of routine that I love to do. I get candles. I make some um, jasmine tea or some oolong tea. I have, I have books that I am reading. You know, usually sort of of a, of a more spiritual nature. I have a journal, and I like to spend. And um, I do. I try. I don't. I don't do this every day. I try to do something called centering prayer, which is mm -hmm. a form of meditation. Um, and I, the days that I do that, um, are the best days. Are the days when I am the most grounded. But in general, sometimes, you know, in the summer, you know, wake up, it's 5 a.m. It's 5 a.m. and it's light out on those days. And I go for a walk, you know, so my the, that but for me, the habit, I guess, is getting up early. It's your me having some time to the, just yeah center ground, you know, and I didn't get to do that today because I think I told you I didn't sleep well. So I just I'm like, I'm sleeping until seven and like, let's go. So I hope this is okay because I didn't have my, my morning. Absolutely fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. But it, that's, that's interesting because I can imagine that if you work with clients that are very busy, not many of them would take this time to take for themselves. It's like I heard some somewhere, people, I mean, this is probably yeah. like so common that's cliche, but like the busier, the busier you are, the more you need meditation. Yes. You know? So and I it's hard to imagine. To 
it yeah. is hard to imagine when you are in the middle of things. And I think you mentioned one of my previous podcasts when I talk with Edwin Brown. Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely love his calming voice. And I used to go to him for acupuncture mm. for my pain management. And I was like that. I was never taking time for myself. I was in very high demanding job and it forced me to lay down. There was very quiet music. It was very trans, you know, very special place to just make me calm down, concentrate on my breath, having the treatment. And he would very quietly and calmingly lead me through it. And I was looking forward for those moments because I would never do it myself, even though I could. We do this all the time. It's just like you feel almost guilty to take the time for for yourself. Yeah. But once, if if you can even get a little bit of a track record doing it, you know, just enough to start to notice like, oh, you know, when I don't check social media, when I first get up in the morning, my day goes a lot better or whatever it is. Like when I meditate, when I exercise, when I drink a glass of water, whenever I do this thing, at whatever point in my day, I feel this then that's when you can start to make a conscious like okay but i want to feel that more you know yeah, yeah. when i lie down at the acupuncturist and calm down because i have to because there are needles in me and i can't move <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know i feel this way like mm-hmm. wow where else can i bring this into my life and you it's know? even a few minutes makes difference it it's doesn't huge. have to be hours yeah right. right so if i may ask you uh if somebody was considering to work with someone like you, mm. uh, could you give us some idea how that work looks like? I know everybody's individual and everybody has different. Like what what the, what the work looks like what together? What the process looks like, what they can expect, how how usually it looks like when because I know every client has completely unique problems and issues, and yeah. and you may work with different different styles, but to get some idea for someone who never faced coaching, who may yeah. not be sure what it is. Well, and what, one of the things that I've noticed since I've been coaching is that, you know, I, I, my website says I'm a health and well-being coach and that I consider well-being to be a very large category. Yes. And I know from the intake forms or conversations with my clients that they have a specific health issue. You know, I've got a gut health thing that I've been dealing with or my, my blood sugar is too high or whatever it is. We don't ever so far, like we don't start there. I mean, most people just don't start there. They start by talking about really what's coming up for them in their lives. Like what, what the stressors are, what the worries are, what an opportunity is that like might, that they think might make them feel better. So I think I start by kind of finding out what's top of mind for them. And starting to like slowly connect the dots. Like, why is this important to your overall well-being? What does well what does well-being mean to you? Why is it important for you to have your health? So we have a lot of these early conversations where we're really setting the stage and defining terms and parameters about what health means to me, what is important to me in my life, what are my values what's coming up for me right now that's causing, that's taking up all of my mind and my energy. And we start there and kind of 
notice those those connections you know like this thing that you decided to do in this work environment this work situation you know, how did that tie to a value of yours well then later in the comp later in the relationship we might bring that across to this change they want to make to their movement you know they want to start walking or whatever like we can start bringing these threads from these other areas of their lives that we've talked about in these grounding sessions and these preliminary I don't want to say preliminary, these, they're important. They're making changes. Um, but when we move into the, the health conversations, if we get to the health conversations, it's in the context of this larger life that they're living. So I guess I would say that is that we, we're going to talk about your life um, and how your health supports your life and how your life supports your health. Because everything is interconnected. Totally. Connected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how long usually your coaching lasts with one client? So I start with, I mean, I start with a, with a 12 week, like a three month, 12 week package. And then we reevaluate. I mean, I think 12 weeks is enough to start to move the needle on some things and to be able to turn around and say, oh, look at these things that I didn't think were possible that I'm doing now, you know, wow. like a, yeah. a client who really wanted to get up in the morning and start doing basic yoga, had never done yoga, was, was apprehensive about yoga, didn't know, but for whatever reason felt that's where they needed to go. But, you know, it would entail making this change to this otherwise great morning routine of coffee by the fire and the dog. <laughs> like, hmm. So, you know, didn't think they were going to be able to make that decision. And so we started very small, like, what's the tiniest thing that you could do? And like, really 12 weeks in, we look back, I'm like, your yoga practice is baked. Like you've got a, you've got a daily 20 minute yoga practice. And now you're building from that because you started tiny and, you know, added and, you know, when you were ready and I don't know, it's just really interesting. So anyway, that, that, that 12 week point mm -hmm. in my experience is a nice sort of inflection point where you can look back and see where you've been and then look forward and see, is there more to go? So we can, you know, keep going from that point. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Is there one one big piece of wisdom that you would like to part with that uh, inspired maybe your life or yeah I would say and we didn't we didn't talk about sort of like how I eventually got here after 30 years it was a long time right and the reason I kind of took this meandering path is because life was happening you know I was raising kids I yeah, had some health things you know so I I only dipped my toes into this world you know, for a long time, it's just like, I'm going to take this yoga teacher training. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read this book about nutrition. I'm going to try this thing, you know? So for me, um, so you started lesson, it for yourself. What's that? You started it for yourself first. I started for myself and I just started it within a lot of constraints, mm -hmm. right? So I wasn't in a position to just drop what I was doing in my family life, in my home life, in my, you know, in my own experiences to go like, I think I want to be a health coach yeah. <laughs> like, or what, you know, actually I, I thought for a while I wanted to be a therapist. Um, I wondered if I wanted to be a dietitian. I spent a year thinking, do I want to be an interfaith chaplain? Because spirituality is a very important value that comes up sometimes in coaching only if, you know, it seems relevant or the person's open to that or interested in that. Mm -hmm. But in my life, there were a lot of reasons why I couldn't rush forward toward what was becoming clear as a dream, you know, or as a, as a, as a vision in my life. So I think the lesson I would offer is like, you may be in a position where you, you know, where you want to go, 
but you're, you can't go there yet for whatever reason. Look for the small thing that you can do now that will give you a taste of that, that will give you, that will kind of scratch that itch a little bit so that you feel that progress moving forward. And then you have that experience to build on when you can start putting the pieces together. And, um, you know, because we're not here to perform, we're here to live our lives. So even those times of constraint where you're stuck in the job that you have to take because you're still learning and growing and that, that weaves through in your story later on with where you go. Yeah. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And sometimes we don't do anything if the change in front of us is too big, but once you break it down into steps, it looks completely different. You know, and sometimes you get thrown into the deep end, right? Sometimes, you know, you get a divorce or a big health crisis or something happens and then you just have to deal with the change too. And that can be, you know, sometimes that's the radical growth point that you don't want. <laughs> so you have to kind of just, you have some discerning wisdom there about which, which kind of change are you in right now? <laughs> For sure. I'm trying to find, we were talking about, you have some kind of program that you would like to talk about at the end. I want to make sure that we mention that. Yeah. Uh, when people, if people decide to work with you and we just got that weird oh, picture again, right? Oh, wow. Well, we have some artistic approach today from my wife. <laughs> it's very modern art looking. Ooh, I, I would like to ask you if people are compelled to work with you or contact you, where is, where is the best way to reach out to you? I will absolutely oh, post yeah. links for you below our show notes but i would like to you know you may have a preferred preferred place where you want to meet with people well i mean i have a website jillpatton.com and i have a newsletter that you can follow and one of the things you mentioned a program that i do i have a free monthly event that i host called healthy exchange Mm-hmm. And um, it comes with this newsletter that kind of tells you about what we're, we focus on a theme every month um, having to do with subjective well-being and the relationship between subjective well-being and our sense of community to each other. So that's, that's the general frame, um, whether we're in community as leaders or as participants, you know, our sense of well-being is, in my, my opinion, inextricably tied to, inextricably tied to our relationships to other people. So I have healthy exchange each month where I bring on another well-being expert to talk about some aspect of health and wellness that they have a a unique perspective on. Mm -hmm. And um, we're in conversation for about 20, 30 minutes. And then the conversation becomes a facilitated discussion. I facilitate a conversation with the participants in the room. It's like, how did you, so had a conversation, for example, last year with a woman who's a wealth advisor, you know, we talked about money, meaning and mindfulness mm-hmm. and like how, you know, our financial well-being is an aspect of our well-being. And she had some perspectives. And then the conversation was, you know, where does this come up in your life? You know, where do you struggle with this? What have you learned that you can share? So it's an opportunity to kind of get to know me in a, in a non-one-on-one way where I'm sort of having a conversation and get on my mailing list and hear about, you know, other events that are coming up and offers with for coaching. So you can go to jillpatton.com and you'll get a lovely little pink, you know, pop up this is sign up for my newsletter. And yeah. that's, I think that's the best place. That's the best place to get to know you deeper as well before somebody may be ready for reaching yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Have some work one-on-one. 
Absolutely. And because a lot of the uh, the women I work with are, are professional women, um, I try to be pretty active, somewhat active on LinkedIn as well. So mm-hmm. you can find me on LinkedIn and yeah. talk about stuff there. Well, I hope you all like Jill as much as I do, because I was compelled to ask her to talk about her work because I was really fascinated by her personality. So I hope you she may touch your heart as well. And if you are so compelled, please reach out and and let me know. <laughs> I would be happy to be a participant in this in this process and journey because she is definitely someone to reach out to and and perhaps work with. It yes, was such a pleasure, Jill. Thank you so much for making time for us. I know how busy you are. Well, thank you for being it's interested. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I you know, I love when I started my podcast, I made it a goal to meet interesting people and hear interesting stories because we have something in common. I used to be editor-in-chief back in Czech Republic years back and I loved the part of interviewing people and I got to interview some really, really interesting people with lots of wisdom and you learn with every everybody and so this is, this is a joy for me. This is really to showcase platform for somebody you know, to, to showcase you to another type of audience, perhaps, and, and just being able to get to know you as a person, not just professionally, is very important in making decisions who the right coach for someone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate your um your interest in me. You know, this is this was a turn of the tables. I'm not used to being asked questions. I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank That's you so much, Vera. Thank you for making time and have a wonderful day. Thanks, I will. You too.